Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, hello, and welcome. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. Glad you could join us. We do this every Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those of you that are mountain challenged. Um, we're going to skip right to the meat of this uh, this stream today. Normally, we do a, a shipment report and, and do some updates on the, the build of the new fish store and all that, but we are going to get right to our guests. Before that, though, I want to talk about the giveaways. We have uh, some amazing giveaways. One, we are going to give away a zebra pleco, a true zebra pleco, the L46, um, aquarium bred and raised. Oh, we're getting some feedback? Okay, hang on. We're on a, a different system so we can have our guests. So is that better? No. Nope. All right. So my guest, if you're listening, we might need those headphones after all. <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to do that. And then Rock and Fish. Hello? Oh, now it's even worse. Bob, never mind. Let's remove those headphones. I hadn't put them on yet. Oh, okay. That was weird. Okay, I'm going to continue here. So Rock and Fish is generously donating $200 of gift certificates. So that's two $100 gift certificates that we will be um, giving away. So three giveaways tonight in L46 Pleco and two $100 gift certificates to dancefish.com to get the fish of your dreams. Real quick, let me check on um, some things because we are in a different system than usual. Um, Random Arms, how are we doing? Sound okay? Sounds good, right? Sounds good? Okay. All right. Everyone out there listening, if, if video is okay and sound is okay, let us know. And if at any point anything goes weird, uh, please do let me know. Without further ado, though, I want to bring on our guest. Our, our guest is um, Bob um, Lichen who is the Vice President of Government Affairs um, with PJAC. And the reason I wanted to bring Bob in is because we are hearing a lot of different things out here in the uh, fish hobbyist land regarding the Lacey Act amendments or additions. Um, on some places you'll hear, it's the end of the world, the sky is falling, and then other places are like, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. P-Jack will take care of it and whatever. They've tried this before and it hasn't happened, right? So you're hearing all these extreme scenarios. So I wanted to bring Bob on to give us the real deal. Um, and I'll talk to you about um, what we'll talk in depth about that. But this is the reason why we did this. We don't usually give away an expensive fish like a zebra pleco um, or anything like that. But we wanted this to be a draw. We feel like the more people that get in here and get the uh, information from Bob, the better off we'll be going forward and we can maybe cut through some of the misinformation that we're hearing out there. So that's why I wanted to do this. So um, take advantage. <laughs> we don't give away zebra plecos ever before, actually. This is a first. But to get more people here, we're like, yeah, it's totally worth the zebra pleco. And, and Rock and Fish agreed and, and ponied up with some gift certificates. So Thank you, Rock and Fish. Really appreciate it. Um, let's see here. I think that's it. Please do take a moment to share this out. The more people we get in here, the better. Um, and I'm not going to monetize this stream. This isn't about money getting more people here. This is about getting the, the truth out. So with that, let's bring Bob on. All right, Bob, you're here. Hello. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. And, and 
frankly, thanks for uh, jumping through all the technology hoops and talking me through all the technology hoops in order to make it happen. Hey, glad we could do it. Um, everyone, <laughs> as you know, anytime you switch up your system, you can have issues. And Bob's been a good sport. We spent a lot of time yesterday doing test streams to figure this out because to me, this is important. It's worth taking the time to make it work so you get the information. With that, though, um, Bob, I'm, please help us understand this bill and what's going on. What I'd like to know is what's the worst case scenario if this passes for the fish industry and the fish hobby? And by that, I mean aquarium fish industry and aquarium hobby. What's the best case scenario if this passes? And then I'm imagining the reality somewhere in between. What's the likely scenario? So if you could take us through those things to get us started. Sure, absolutely. And in fact, taking a step back, maybe even further, uh, just so everybody out there knows what we're talking about. Um, last summer, the, uh, the Senate passed a bill uh, that was focused on being competitive with China. And the House didn't do anything. And finally, um, a couple of weeks ago, the House passed a similar bill, ostensibly, to address um, competition with China. Unfortunately, what was originally a 30-page bill in the House was essentially gutted and turned into a 2,000-page bill. And in that, they stuck about a page worth of things that are really dangerous to the aquarium hobby in the aquarium trade, quite frankly, the pet hop uh, and the pet trade, uh, because it affects more than just fish. It's uh, reptiles and amphibians. Uh, it could be small mammals, things like that as well. It's anything but, besides dogs and cats and common farm animals, is it not? It, we think so. The, the, this, is, this is the gray area you always battle with federal legislation. Um, it is definitely everything. It definitely is not dogs, cats, farm animals. But when they look at what it does affect, they largely, and, and Congress is famous for this, they write a very broad uh, bill with very loose language, and then they leave it up to the, uh, the administrative offices, the USDA or the Department of Interior or U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, to write all the rules and regulations. So it ends up meaning whatever the people down the chain feel like it should be. And in this case, it's the head of the Department of Interior that makes these decisions. Is that correct? That's correct. It names the uh, the uh, Secretary of the Department of Interior as the um, ultimate authority on this. But most of the actual work on this is um, delegated down to U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Okay. Okay. So that's what's on the table. What happens if it passes the good, the bad, and the likely? <laughs> sure. Um, well, as it is, if it passes, it's got a few different provisions in it that we think are really concerning. Um, the, uh, the, the first, and in my opinion, the biggest, is it, it vastly expands the authorities of U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, right now, they have the ability to enforce the Lacey Act and make sure nothing injurious or illegally collected or obtained uh, is brought into the country. And that's a good thing. This expands their authority to say that they are also in charge of all interstate commerce. So anything crossing state lines would now be under the jurisdiction of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. This, this is a huge thing for us because as 
this audience knows so many of these species, particularly in freshwater, are aquacultured here in the U.S. Well, if it's a potentially invasive species or, or something that could be illegally collected outside the U.S., now you can't even trade it state to state, even if it's aquaculture. So um, we, we have a huge problem with that. Um, and frankly, Fish and Wildlife Service hasn't got the budget or, quite frankly, the, um, the training amongst their inspectors to be able to do something like this. Um, as you mentioned, it could cover virtually any species. Had a long conversation with some other um, folks in the trade today huge concern about it, including corals, because there is essentially no way to tell uh, corals without doing DNA testing. So if a coral is listed, it could potentially devastate the trade in all live corals. And most of the live coral traded in the U.S. is aquaculture. Yeah, it's it's aquaculture, correct. Yeah, fragged. Yep. Yep. Um, the next thing that this bill would do would, would be to create a white um, a whitelist is just what it sounds like. It's a list of species of animals that, if they're on the list, they can be traded. Unfortunately, there are tens of thousands to potentially hundreds of thousands of animals traded. And this affects more than just the pet trade. The, uh, the food fish folks are, are definitely up in arms about this as well. Um, the way the U.S. has traditionally worked and what works well is a blacklist. If there is a problem with the species, you put that species on a list and you say you can't trade this or you can't bring this into this state or that state. And states are very good about um, controlling the invasive species threat within their state. Uh, the problem is, in this case, anything that could be invasive, potentially invasive in any state in the country would be banned in every state. Now, you know, as I look at where you guys are, um, Perfect example. Um, you know, Florida has a real problem with lionfish, and they are uh, banned from trade and banned from uh, the hobby and banned from uh, fish stores in Florida. But you guys don't have a real big problem uh, in Wyoming with lionfish being potentially invasive, right? Uh, you know, your your water temp your water lacks salt and uh, is way too cold, so never yeah. going to be an issue. I did uh, notice that the two sponsors of the bill that, that put it forward were one was from Florida and the other from Hawaii. And that made sense. I'm like, yeah, in Florida and Hawaii, you guys could have a real problem. But in Wyoming and a lot of my customers are in Michigan. And, you know, I was like, that's probably not going to live here. So I do see that being a problem that any fish that could be invasive anywhere will now be listed as injurious everywhere. So. Yeah, and that's that's a basic problem with the way U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is set up. They they don't have a lot of tools in their tool bag. They essentially have a hammer. They can do two things with a species. They can allow trade in it, or they can ban. They they don't have nuance. So this is something that is far better left up to the states, just because the United States has such a varied topography, environment, climate. Um, it it really makes sense to keep it at the state level. So going back to uh, to breaking it down, um, the first problem with it that you saw was you can't transport fish or any pet that isn't a dog or a cat or a farm animal. 
between straight across state lines, right? That's problem number one. And problem number two is this whitelist we're talking about, where only fish that were on an approved list could be traded, but not across straight lines. <laughs> and um, if a new species was discovered or one of the many fish that weren't initially on that list, if we wanted to get that on that list, what would we do? How would that work? And, and that's where the challenge starts to come up. Because, um, and I've worked with the federal government a little bit on this in the past. There are a lot of different opinions on how you do the risk assessments um, to determine whether or not something is potentially invasive. They would do what they call a rapid assessment. And if it fails the rapid assessment, then they do a full assessment on it. Now, a full assessment could take years um, and be very expensive. And this gives uh, very little time to the Department of Interior to create this list. So there is very little chance that much would end up on the whitelist. Um, I've dealt with one state uh, quite a bit that deals in whitelist, and that's Maine. Maine, yeah. Um, Maine is a challenge because they wrote their whitelist law sometime in the late 70s, I think, and haven't added or subtracted anything from it since then. Okay, now, so, th so this is something not, that's important. So you're saying that Maine created their whitelist in the 70s, and if I'm understanding you right, literally nothing else has made it onto that whitelist since. Is that correct? Yeah, and the hobby has changed just a little bit since. I mean, you didn't have protein skimmers in the 70s. Well, you didn't have roseline barbs, for one, one of the most amazing and popular fish these days. Those weren't even around yet in the 70s in the hobby. We didn't know about them. There's been many, many species that are popular in staples today that have come about since the 70s. So basically, no one in Maine can keep a roseline barb because whitelists are that difficult to um, update is maybe the case study we can get out of Maine. Um, am I? I? I think so. I mean, I we have tried on several occasions to get them to assess new species. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a matter of getting a bureaucracy, bureaucracy to do something that they don't see much payback. In. So yeah. it is it's a struggle. So uh, one reality so we, we're talking about what's the worst case scenario, what's the best case scenario. In this case, we have an actual case study where a realistic scenario, and tell me if I'm wrong, but is that once that whitelist is established, the odds are it's not going to change. Is that uh, it will? Is that realistic? The federal government works a little differently. It will okay. change. It, it will just be a long and painful and expensive process to do it. And, you know, if if it ends up being done in such a way that industry has to pay to do those assessments, then how many of the species that are popular in the trade are profitable enough to support doing it? Um, you know, it, 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 it creates a lot of potential landmines. Uh, so someone like me, my stock and trade is unusual fish. So I'm the guy that goes out and finds, for example, types of rainbow fish that I don't think anyone else commercially sells in the United States. Um, maybe a few hobbyists breed a few and distribute them from time to time, but there's no farm farming them. There's no, um, I don't think there's any other place, any other store that sells a lot of the, those species. So for someone like me who that's their bread and butter, what I enjoy as a hobbyist and as a businessman is allowing people who have been looking for this bucket list fish their whole life, getting it in and, watching their eyes light up, let's say, as they finally get this fish they've been looking for for 20 years. Um, 
those fish are not going to be added to the whitelist because there's no commercial demand. So there's no money behind them to go ahead and try to lobby to get them on the whitelist. Is that realistic? I, I think it's very realistic. Uh, and in which case, your only chance to have that species would be if it happens to be something you can find in your state. And, you know, what are the odds of that? So yeah. uh, it, 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 the, the less common the species, the more difficult it is likely to be to get onto the whitelist. Yeah, because it's going to take money and effort to get something added, and that's going to happen at the industry, and the industry is only going to pay that money for something they can sell a lot of and there's high demand for. Right. And, you know, you've, you've got to recognize that there are groups out there that don't believe people should keep fish and they are going to be working to undercut any any assessment you have done. So yeah. you've got to have resources behind it and numbers behind it. And that's hard to do when you're trading in the dozens per year instead of the hundreds of thousands. Per year. OK, so no transport across state lines and a whitelist. If something's on the white list, I still can't transport it across state lines. Is that true? No, you should be able. It, it should be fully available for trade. Okay, okay, okay. So the um, the transport across state lines is anything not on the white list. That's correct. Okay. Well, that gives me a little better sleep because my business is I'm an internet-based fish store, <laughs> so all of my customers are out of state. Wyoming, where I'm located, has a population of maybe half a million people. Not a lot of fish keepers here. So <laughs> 99 plus percent of my customers are from out of state. But even though I could ship them, I'd be curtailed to the whitelist. That's going to be the big limiting factor. Yep. Okay. Yep, absolutely. And remember, even if it's on the whitelist, uh, one of the last thing that this bill would do would give the uh, Secretary of Interior the power to declare uh, an emergency on a species, even if right. it's on the whitelist, and ban it for up to three years with no, uh, they, they don't have to answer to the American people for it. They don't have to post it in the federal registry and take public comment. They don't even have to go to Congress and talk. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, this gives carte blanche to the, uh, to the Secretary of Interior for three years to list a species. Yeah. So if we ever got someone in that position, it was an activist that thought we shouldn't keep pets. Theoretically, that could just it, it, there 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 is a very real uh, risk in that. So case. so we're creating a dictator over the basically <laughs> in our niche. Yeah, fish czar. Okay, the the Stalin of fish. All right. And, okay, and you know I I will say I you know I spent twenty five years working for government in the army. And, and I work with government agencies a lot. And by and large, the people there are trying to do the work of the American people. Oh, sure. They're sure, trying sure. to, you know, do the best they can to follow the laws and the regulations. But um, it's it's always a risk. And how laws and regulations are interpreted vary hugely from one administration to the next. Yeah. So, um what what a law means and what a regulation means now may very well not be what it means five years from now. So putting this together, are there any other big concerns uh, to bring forward? Or are those the basic ones we need to understand? Uh, the whitelist, 
that you can't keep anything not on the whitelist and you can't transport anything not on the whitelist, basically, is what it comes down to. Um, does it affect the importation of fish the same way or does it ban importation, period? No, it, it affects it the same way. This is, um, and this is a power the Fish and Wildlife Services essentially always had. Uh, they have always been able to ban the import of things on the blacklist. Now, all we're doing is flipping it and saying instead of a blacklist of banned species, there's a whitelist of allowed species. So yeah. you can freely trade in those as as long as you've got the proper documentation. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so is there anything else about this bill that is like a big ticket item that we need to know? Or are these the things that we can now delve into? Uh, I think these are the things we can now delve into that it, that um, negatively impact the hobby. Okay. Uh, there are there are other bills I've been working on at the federal level that are actually good for the hobby that are also included in this, but that's that's a conversation for another day, uh, uh, having to do with uh, the potential threat of zoonotic disease. So uh, this everything but the kitchen sink got thrown into this bill. So there's there's a little bit of something for everybody. Okay, so let's let's talk average hobbyist. Um, and I would say that in my audience, they're avid aquarium keepers. Um, they might only have one aquarium or they might have 50 in their basement, but they really like fish. They really like aquariums. And a lot of times they're, they've kind of outgrown the Petco PetSmart fish and are looking for some cool stuff. Um, mm -hmm. How would this affect them? If I'm Joe hobbyist and I have some tanks and I, I like keeping fish, um, how's this going to affect me? Um, best case scenario, worst case scenario. Um, I think if, if it were to pass as, as currently written, uh, worst case scenario would be everybody would essentially have the same fish in their fish tanks. That there, there would be a limited selection of species and you know, aqua, uh, aquascaping would, would become how you differentiate tanks. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what is what would be more likely is that you would start seeing the variation in tanks uh, be due to both hobbyist and uh, industry-level uh, aquaculture. And, and you'd see, like you did with the clownfish, you start seeing a lot of varieties and things like that, people um, breeding for the morphs essentially uh, to steal a, a word, a reptile word. Yeah, so so fewer species available because only the whitelist is available, but then people would put a lot of effort into breeding those. So it would be like the guppy. You just have a ton of varieties of the guppy because that's a super popular easy fish and everyone's done it. Um, something similar happened with the Czech Republic back during the Cold War. Um, the Iron Curtain fell and, or went up and um, they could not get a lot of fish anymore. They didn't have access to stuff. So they ended up just breeding the fish that they already had pretty much. And they developed all kinds of really neat varieties, but they didn't have a lot of species of them, but they had a lot of varieties. So maybe it's something like that analogous to what happened in the Czech Republic um, when they couldn't get new species and they just worked with what they had. Yeah. And, and I think the, Ultimately, what it means is a much smaller hobby. Um, yeah. 
you know, because there are, there are people that that will really appeal to. They'll really like to, to be able to develop different variations and have a unique version of the fish in their tank. But there are a lot of people that like having a unique tank. Sure. And like being able to go out and get fish that not everybody has. Uh, something that makes their tank stand apart. Yeah. And those well, sounds, are going to fall out of the hot. Um, it, yeah, and most people don't breed fish either. Most people that have fish don't breed them. So it could be exciting as a breeder to develop new species, but as a keeper, or new 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 varieties, new morphs, as you said, but I think as a keeper, um, it might be like, oh, that's another guppy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, the other thing I, I see it curtailing a lot is bitope aquariums, where you're trying to set up, uh, an aquarium to as real as close as possible mimic the natural habitat while still being a tank you want to look at. So maybe it's all fish from a certain river tributary to the Amazon, um, a, a species of pleco and a species of corridors catfish, um, and maybe a hatchet fish, all from that spot. And if you can, plants from that location as well. Um, that kind of biotope aquarium where you're trying to recreate a natural biotope in your home. I think that could get quite difficult because you need the fish from each biotope available and they might not be. Um, so I have, I have another question for you. Um, if you were an investor in my company, how would this affect your investment choice? Um, what I'm saying is how is it going to affect the shop like me who I'm an online retailer and the way I sell fish is by having a wide variety because I need to have enough species in my carts or available so that someone can add them to their cart and justify the shipping. If I only have sure. one species you want, it's like, well, but, but I have to pay 30 bucks shipping or 40 bucks shipping, whatever it is. But if I have five species you want now, maybe it's worth it. Cause it's like, good. I can finally get these. I can pay the shipping. Um, so yeah. that's, that's one thing I'm concerned about. But when you look at, the small fish store, the online retailers, or the brick and mortar stores, even um, how do you how do you see them coping with this? What what's the impact on the industry? Um, looking into a crystal ball, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a, a, from from a business perspective what I think it's most likely to mean, and that is that there will be a few businesses that survive and they will do high volume because it will come down to virtually everyone having access to the same species. And those who can do it most cost effectively are the ones that are going to survive. Okay. And usually that means the ones that can turn the highest off. So I, I typically call that a race to the bottom. <laughs> All right. So anything else that folks need to be aware of on the bill itself, and then we'll move to what folks can do. Well, um, you, you talked about best case, worst case, um, most yeah. likely case. Uh, I think with regard to the future of the bill itself or this language within the bill itself, best case is obviously we all reach out to our senator, reach out to our congressman and get this language stripped out. And it goes away and we never see it again. Um, I don't think the best case is very likely. Uh, just because we've seen it before in Senate Bill 626, yeah, you described earlier from Senator Rubio, um, 
we saw the Speaker of the House try and put this language into the uh, budget reconciliation late last winter uh, or late last year. Um, and so we are going to continue to see this language. Um, and I think that is our most likely case is that uh, because the hobby and the trade are pretty fired up about this right now, everybody seems to know about it, about it and is communicating about it. Um, I, I think that message generally gets through to the elected officials. So I think we can beat it this time, but we're going to have to continue to watch for it because it's going to come back again. Uh, and that is our most likely scenario. And obviously our worst case is it passes like this and essentially ends the, uh, the exotic and, uh, and aquatic pet trade. Okay. So one thing I, I keep hearing is but we don't need to do anything because PJAC's got it. Well, you're PJAC. So before we get to you answering and responding to that, I'd like to do a giveaway. So we're going to do a giveaway here, folks. Um, let's see if I can still share my screen. Hang on. Let me figure out how to do this. I don't know if I can. Yeah, I can. Okay, guys, bear with me. I'm different software. I want to share the giveaway screen with you. And to do that, I have to go here, share screen. Let's see if this works. Okay, this might get real funky, guys, but I'm going to give it a try. So I'm going to pop Nightbot out and go over here. And share the correct screen, and we should be okay. All right, there we are. Good. We done did it. So, folks, we're going to give away the first giveaway for tonight. I'm, I'm going to make it a $100 gift card, generously provided by Rock and Fish. Thank you so much. So, this is for a hundy, $100. Oh, and I got to tell you how to enter the giveaway. I never did that. So, let's get you how to hang on. I am just so starstruck having Bob here that, hang on real quick. Um, I've got to tell you how to enter the giveaway. Ain't nobody entered. <laughs> okay. To enter the giveaway, if you put hashtag go Bob go in chat, it's giving you a little encouragement there, Mr. Uh, Likens. Hashtag go Bob go. And I'll give that a few minutes because I forgot that folks didn't know how to enter the giveaway yet. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, and in the meantime, we will go back to, let me see if I did it right. We will go back to stop that. And we're here. Do you want to talk about how and when you're going to answer questions? Yeah, we'll be answering questions about this, guys, soon. Um, I've got a few more questions myself for Bob. And then um, we're going to open it up. And you can ask the Vice President of Government Affairs, at PJAC, the uh, Pet Industry J Joint Advisory Joint. Council. Got <laughs> um, yep, it We're famous. You can ask him any questions you want to know. So we're going to open it up here soon. If you would hold your questions until then, chat's moving way too fast for us to uh, to get to them right now. Okay. While we're waiting for folks to enter the giveaway, since I, uh, being so starstruck, um, forgot to do that. Bob, could you answer what we were talking about before? PJAC's got it. We don't need to worry about it. Petco, Pet Smart, they'll take care of it. What's the reality of that? Um, 
we do our best to is is the reality of it. Um, you know, this is this is an industry that has always had a huge free rider problem that folks always know that we're going to do our best on this stuff, whether they're members or not. And that makes it challenging because particularly uh, with the pandemic over the last couple of years, you know, a, a lot of our membership dues come from organizations that run trade shows and those have oh. been happening. Yep. So um, I, I would do, I would do anything to have the kind of budget people seem to think I have. Um, it's uh, it is really a challenge because not only do we have the limited resources, but in a case like this, where it's a bill that you know the bill's not about the aquarium trade or the right trade or anything like that. This is this is a big bill about competition with China that has some junk thrown in that hurts us, and because of that. They don't really care that much what the guy working in D.C. for a trade association thinks about the bill. Elected officials care what their constituents think about the bill because I don't vote for them and you do. So this is a case where we really need what's called the grassroots support. We really need people to be sending letters to their senators, sending letters to their congressmen. Um, just in the last few weeks since this uh, this came to the floor in the House before it passed, we've had over 5,000 people go through our website to send letters to their elected officials. And we need a lot more of that because that is what's going to make an impact in this case. And I'm going to post right here, um, take action to contact your senator today. I'm going to post the form where people can easily go to PJAC's website so let me post a link here. And um, it takes, when I did it, it took me less than two minutes to fill this form out. It makes it really, really easy. So here's the link. If you want to go to PJAC's website, fill out a form, then PJAC will send a letter on your behalf to your congressman. Now, that is the lazy person's way to do it. Um, I would say- Better that, that way than not at all, though. Better, and yeah. And yeah, our yeah. system is set up so you can write your own comments in there as well. Yeah. You don't have to just go with our pre-formatted Yeah. It's, um, if you're not going to take the time to write a letter, if, if we can't convince you to do that, my hope is we can convince you to go to PJAC and fill out a simple form to give them permission to act on your behalf, basically, for your representative in this case. Is that is that correct, Bob? Is that more or less what you're doing? We're saying yep, you can yeah. write a letter on our behalf. Yep. But and here's the thing. If I'm a senator and I'm getting a bunch of letters and they all, I can kind of tell they're all a little cookie cutter, maybe no, no, no offense to P Jack, but there's only so much the organization can do. I'm going to be hip to the jive and a little savvy that this is uh, folks filling out a form on P Jack's website. But if I get a letter that's individual, that is um, from a constituent that's saying in detail how this is going to affect them and, um, what's going on in their real life that this bill will have a negative effect effect on, um, I'm going to pay more attention. So what I would say is if you would take the time to write a heartfelt letter to your congressman or your, your representative, um, I think that's probably going to be more effective than filling out the PJAC form. Bob, am I speaking correctly? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, you can also call their office. Um, I spent a year uh, in the Army as a, as a uh, Army Fellow for Congress. So I worked in a congressional office. Right? Mm -hmm. And there are staffers assigned to all these things. And you can call the office and talk to that staffer and leave a message about how you feel about a bill. Um, they they read all the letters they get. Particularly, you really want to impress a staffer. Uh, a long letter is good, but another very effective thing is send a short handwritten postcard talking mm -hmm. about it. Postcards are nice because ever since the uh, the anthrax thing, um, all the letters have to be open, and it takes a long time oh. for a letter to get to an office once you mail it to Congress. You send a postcard, there's nothing to open. It gets there much more quickly. And if it's handwritten, they know that someone took the time to do this. Exactly. Like it was important enough that they sat down, took pen to paper, and actually wrote it, right? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, that will definitely impress congressional staff. They know that you are invested in the issue. Um, and our system also makes sure that the people you're writing are your representatives and your senators. Right. So even if it is a form letter, it has, you know, the district that you live in on the letter. And, and that makes a difference to them. Because even if it's a form letter, you're still a voter. My, my thought on this, and let me know if I'm barking up the right tree here, I suspect I am, is I was thinking about what can I do and if there's a call to action we could make to be as effective as possible. And I was thinking, and I keep hearing PJAC's got it. And I was like, well, do they really? Because I was thinking if I'm a congressional representative and Bob calls me again to tell me this is going to negatively affect his industry, the pet industry. I already knew that when I started thinking about the bill. I know Bob. Bob calls me every three weeks and tells me not to vote for things that are going to hurt the pet industry. So Bob's already a known quantity, right? So if I'm a representative, I already know what PJAC thinks. I already know what Petco thinks. I already know what PetSmart thinks. I already know what the big corporations and big players in the industry think. But if my constituents start reaching out and taking the time to actually contact me and say, please don't do this. This is important to me. This is what I do for enjoyment. Um, this is what helps me get through a stressful day after I get home from work is I'm super stressed out, but I sit down and watch my aquarium and I can feel the stress melting off and I'm a better citizen and a better husband or wife or partner or father or uncle or whatever because i have this thing that helps me deal with my stress or maybe i served in the armed forces and i have ptsd and this is a way that i can help mitigate that i i, I kind of hesitate to use that language because i don't want to insinuate anything but let's say that there's benefits that anyone listening has experienced maybe you're recovering from uh, substance abuse and you replaced your substance addiction with a fish, a fish addiction. I know people that have done this, who've openly talked about this. Um, those kinds of letters, or maybe you're just, you know, 12 years old and you enjoy nature. And this is something you can do besides, you know, being on your phone and, and playing, I don't know, um, Candy Crush or something, right? Whatever it does for you, if you take the time and contact your senator, if I'm the representative and I get these letters and phone calls, um, that are done personally by individuals, I think that's going to have a lot more impact than Bob calling me again. That's got to be the case, right, Bob? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, my my stock and trade, honestly, is when I deal with these offices, obviously, I have to be an honest broker. Um, 
the the value that I offer to the office is if they have questions or concerns about animal related, particularly companion animal related issues, and they ask me, they know they will get a straight answer. That's how I remain that's how I maintain my trustworthiness with them because I mislead them once and they'll never let me through the doors again. Mm -hmm. um, but I am, as you said, a known quantity. I am, you know, they they probably they may come to me if they need expert opinion on something, but they generally know how I feel about any piece of legislation they're reading. So, so what their constituents feel about it is vastly different. And I, I will say that there are organizations out there that do not like the idea of people keeping animals, and they are very good at driving letter drives and things like that. Mm -hmm. So they're used to seeing it from them, but they're not used to seeing it from hobbyists. Hobbyists are just normal people who have fish heads, you know, and when you do something that's got people so bent out of shape that normal fish tank owners are writing letters and making calls to Congress, that's a big deal. And they know it's a big deal. So it has a definite. Yeah. And my take on it is, what did it take you? Five minutes? Like, let's say it's not a problem. We don't have to worry about it at all. Let's say PJAC's got it or whatever. It's not going to pass like all the other times people have tried to do this. Well, for five minutes, we can write a letter or make a phone call or whatever and, and have our voice heard. And what did it really cost us? Right. So I've always thought the argument of like, we don't have to do anything is kind of toothless because what are you actually doing? <laughs> like you're taking five minutes to write a letter. It's not it's not like it's a huge sacrifice. And honestly, yeah. if you're not really willing to do that maybe the hobby deserves to go away. I mean, I don't want that, but it's like, really, you're not even willing to write a letter, seriously? <laughs> and, yeah, and, and I understand that people think that this is, you know, this is doom and gloom and, the, you know, the sky is falling, but the bottom line is this language has already passed the House of Representatives. Right. This language is, is halfway through the process, and it is in a bill that the president wants desperately badly to see. Right. So the administration, the administration, honestly, I'm sure couldn't care less whether this lazy language is in there or not. But they're not going to they're not going to go to bat to to get it taken out. They just want to build packs. Yeah. So we need to make sure that the one that comes out uh, when the Senate and the House reconcile doesn't have this language, yeah. because just like the way the House put this in, as I said, this started as a 30 page bill. It's now a 2000. They took over 650 amendments, put them in one folder, called and did what's called an unblock vote. They said, any opposition to these amendments? No, amendments are passed. 650 amendments afterwards in one vote. Not even not even a roll call vote, just a voice vote. So that's how easy it is to have something slip through the cracks if folks are not engaging. Yeah, and, and this is like this these additions to the Lacey Act. I read them. Like I've read, I've read this legislation. It's half it, a page. It's a page. Yeah. Half a page. It's tiny. And the idea that they're not going to vote through everything that they want, just because there's this tiny little thing, it's going to get overlooked unless we raise our voice. That's my, that's my fear. And I think a likely scenario. Okay. We're going to get to everyone's questions and comments in a moment. And we're going to start when we get back from giving away this first giveaway with Jenny Lynn's question, how can we impress upon people that think this isn't a problem, that it is a problem? 
Um, we'll we'll have Bob answer that when we get back. But first, let's do this giveaway that we tried to do a while ago. Um, let me bring up the screen here. Okay, and it'll be this one. Here we go. So we have 287 folks who could win. It could be you. Drum roll, please. And the winner is Marcy SoCal. Marcy, awesome. Congratulations, Marcy. You have won a $100 gift certificate to DanceFish to buy any fish you want. It also can cover shipping um, on top of that. So, um, if you would chime in, let us know you're here. You've got two minutes to chime in. Oh, there you are. All right, Marcy won and is, <laughs> looks like excited. So Marcy, thanks for being here. Thanks for participating. And now you need to email me. We have a new email. It's hello, uh-oh, did my sound just cut out? Bob, I think you're muted. There you are. Um, now my daughter was going to bed. <laughs> the new email is hello at dancefish.com. So email me at hello at dancefish.com, H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. Marcy, I need your first name. Actually, no, this is just an email. Just email. Say I'm Marcy SoCal. I won. And I can get that. I don't need to mail that to you. I can just email that to you. Okay, we're going to stop this. Bob, how would you respond to Jenny Lynn, whose question is, how can we impress on people that think it isn't a problem that it's a problem? Uh, this is honestly always part of the challenge for me because I'm, I'm a government affairs guy. Um, as we were talking about before the show, I haven't even been one of those all that long. I spent most of my life as a, as a knuckle dragging infantryman. But um, I don't, I, I am effective at communicating with lawmakers and with regulators. I'm not so good at the marketing and the public affairs side. So the, what I think if, particularly in a case like this, is by far the most important thing is people talking to each other. Because if you're in a group of people that enjoy fish keeping, if you're in a group of people that enjoy, uh, you know, breeding and things like that, then you are a trusted source for those people. You are a trusted source of information as well as knowledge. So I, I think it's getting the word out to as many people as we can and then encouraging those people to talk to others because this is where the word of mouth thing matters. Because, you know, as we've discussed before, there's a lot of disinformation out there about this. And there's a lot, there are a lot of people saying, you know, this is no big deal. So we need people to be communicating with each other and saying, yes, it is. Um, you know, I will also say for anybody out there, that's actually got a business that's tied to the aquarium trade, or for that matter, um, bird keeping or small mammal keeping or reptile keeping, uh, you definitely ought to be a member of mine. Um, I had, uh, I think it was Quality Marine, actually described us as the best stay in business insurance you'll ever buy for the money. Um, so if, if you run a business that has anything to do with the pet trade, you ought to be a member of PJ. And if you're not a member of PJAC, you sure ought to be a member of some association that's sticking up for you and speaking out on your behalf to lawmakers. Uh, so I guess those are the two things I would say are most important. Okay. We have another question here. Here's from Kyle's Aquametrics, and I haven't read it in advance, so we'll see what we get here, Bob. It says, question for Bob. Are plants included too, aquatic and terrestrial, 
Also, any thoughts on what minimum quantities means in the amendment verbiage? Oh, that's a good question. But I, I'm going to take a stab at it and say that right now, um, minimum quantities means nothing, and it's up for the um, Secretary of the Interior to interpret and decide what that means. But could you let us know that, Bob? Does it apply to any plants, uh, a terrestrial or aquatic, and what does minimum quantities mean? Uh, you, you got it right, exactly right on the minimum quantities, but um, it is it will mean whatever Department of Interior decides it is. Um, and, you know, that could be in the hundreds of thousands, that could be 12. Chances are it's not going to be 12. Um, so that will be the kind of thing that uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, USDA, uh, will decide when they write the regulations on this. Um, the... Uh, I'm sorry, the other part of the question was... Plants. Does it affect plants at all? Uh, Lacey does, so I would assume all of this does as well, yes. Um, be perfectly frank, uh, I don't deal very much with plant issues other than um, with occasionally with uh, like koi ponds and things like that. And honestly, the only issue I've ever had to deal with uh, with plants for fish tanks is with plastic bag bands. To make sure when states and localities pass plastic right. bag bans, they write an exception so you can get your fish or your plant home. Oh, right. Yeah, that'd be hard to do in any other way. Yeah. Um, so in the in this add-on, I didn't see any language specifically for plants, but you're saying that the original Lacey mm -hmm. Act does have language concerning plants. Is that correct? That is correct. Is yes. that what I understood? Okay. Just want to clarify. All right. Another question. From Lady Diane, please ask Bob how this will be policed, worst case scenario. Uh, worst case scenario is is every shipping company, every, uh, you know, if that every truck has to pass through inspection points just like they now do when you import. You know, when you import, they've got inspectors in Miami, they've got inspectors in San Diego and Los Angeles and New York and New Jersey, uh, and you would have to pass through anytime you're shipping live animal with and they'd have to have those in every state. Realistically, that's not going to happen. We couldn't build the infrastructure for that. Um, I, I think what would be most likely is they would um, implement all of this, put all these rules in effect, and then basically pick some pick some poor saps who happen to violate it and make an example. Make examples. And they would crush them and uh, get the word out that way. You can no longer transport Okay. Dragon Lear, remind everyone to be respectful and nice to the senators in your letters. Also ask Bob, does he work with US ARC? Um, so yeah, let's 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 say that. Um, let's you catch more flies with honey. Let's just put that down there. Bob, any any guidance of how to approach a senator? Let's say you want to write your representative. Any guidance of anything to avoid or that's helpful to include? Sure. And, the, and that point was exactly right. Um, you, the, the people who are working in that Senate office and taking your call or reading your letter are doing their best to provide a good service to their uh, to their constituents. And Having worked with a bunch of them on the Hill, they don't make a lot of money to do it. Um, so be polite, be to the point, be factual, and um, 
actually, you can go to my website, go to pdac.org, and you can find a lot of guidance on, on how to do these engagements. Um, you know, it's it's more that I can go through in just a minute or two, but by far the most important thing is is what um, uh, we brought up for next week to life. With regard to USR, uh, because of the confusion around this, and you can see this on my website too, as well as theirs, um, we put out a, uh, a fact sheet called the Facts About the Lacey Act Amendments in the Competes Act of 2022. And it is co-signed by PJAC, the National Aquaculture Association, USARC, and the American Pet Products Association. So we are in lockstep with USARC on this. Um, their president, Phil Goss, is someone we work with all the time. Uh, we uh, see eye to eye on most issues. Uh, and the, the bottom line is a lot of this lacing language, the interstate commerce lacing language, is because U.S. Fish and Wildlife tried to do this with boa constrictors several years ago, and USR sued them and won. And the court said that they don't have the right to do it, and now they're trying to get that. So uh, USR is the reason that this is already being put into place um, just by, essentially, by fiat. Um, Bob, to, to follow up on that, and it's okay if you don't know where it is but do you know the actual place on the website where you have that information on how to approach your representative because i'd like to link it um let's see so while bob's looking for that link i'm going to look for another question marcy's um yeah, we'll get to your question, Marcy SoCal, in just a moment about using Facebook to contact your representative. Bob, it's not a big deal if it's, I know these things can get buried, but I like to link them when I can go, so people can go directly there. Yeah, I, I will make sure to get that information to you. I don't want to take a bunch of your yep, time. Yep, that's uh, fine. My own site, which we're in the process of redoing right now. So Marcy, who just won $100 from Rock and Fish, thank you, um, is asking, she says, uh, their um, friends on Facebook with their representative, does it help to contact via Facebook? Uh, it does. Um, any, any way is, is a good way. But um, Facebook can get a little vitriolic. And I a little. See, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've had their family members uh, say the worst things about me in the midst of a Facebook fight. So um, I, I would say it is not my preferred method um, posting on there just because you end up uh, in debates with zealots that you're just not going to win and it turns into a mudslinging. I would message them on Facebook and tell them what your position is on it. But I, I would, and, and I'm not a social media guru. I, I have a vice president of communications who's fantastic at this. But um, my tendency would not be to go out there on Facebook. You know the community. You know your community. And you know uh, you probably have a better a feel for um, what kind of vitriol is out there. But... Uh, but a direct I, I private message, message would be okay. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And 
I guess this this begs a follow up before we get to Sandy Cheeks's question to follow up on Marcy's. Um, what is the most effective way to communicate with your representative? Is it that postcard? Is it a phone call? If you could only do one thing, Bob, what's the most effective? Uh, the most effective by far is beating on their door. Uh, uh, if, if uh, you know, uh, all of these representatives have district offices. They have local offices that probably make a lot more impact when someone walks in there to talk to folks than when somebody walks into their D.C. office to talk to folks, because then they know it's constituents and they know it's people from their own neighborhood. Uh, uh, so by far, that is the most effective. What if Second they're in session and real quick, what if they're not there? Will the staff take care of it and pass the word? Is it as effective if they're not there? Yes, it is. Um, okay. Chances are they won't be there. They're very seldom there. Um, you know, they are either at their D.C. office or they're, if they're in district, they're probably out campaigning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, uh, try, trying to meet voters and talk to voters. They're not going to greet me with tea and crumpets? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then the second you're saying is a letter. And what kind of letter? Um, as described before, something to the point, uh, polite, direct, and, um, and uh, factual and, okay. and personal. Uh, make don't be afraid to personalize letter. They don't they don't need a science paper. They need to know what you think and why. All right, let's get to Sandy Cheeks here. Wouldn't this bill affect zoos and public aquariums, along with research and development? So is this going to affect zoos, aquariums, um, universities, um, things like that? Potentially, yes. Um, I'll, I'll be perfectly frank. I haven't looked at that side of it as much because that's outside of my membership and I'm here to represent my members. Mm -hmm. But um, yes, um, I've, I've had conversations with ZAA about this. And um, while a lot of times when they end up writing the rules, they do provide exemptions sometimes for rules in public aquaria. Um, that's not something they can count on. And quite frankly, even if they are exempt, if nobody else can collect it, then nobody's breeding it, and there's no, you know, uh, nobody's transporting it. So it becomes very difficult and expensive for them to get yeah, it, yeah. even if they are allowed to have it. So even if they could, there's no supply chain. Right. Right. To support it. Okay. Orange cones. If this passes as is, how would the Joe fish keeper be impacted? It has a breeding colony of fish not on the whitelist. Let's say you're breeding fish and they're not on the white list. As long as you never move across state lines or uh, or try and sell any of your fish across state lines, I doubt anyone would ever notice. Um, it, it doesn't, Lacey, this, Lacey has to do with trade and exchange of these animals and importation and movement of these animals. It is not technically, uh, saying it's illegal to own it. So okay. um, I, I think that's your answer. I think they uh, they, they would not be effective, effective unless they wanted to sell them or, or you know, got a, got a new job across state lines. All right. Jennifer Weaver is asking, has there been media coverage about this? Not a lot. Um, you know, this is... It's this too is neat, huge, right? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a huge bill with... A tiny a half page about a thousand yeah. different business 
you know, uh, it, it's this is this is one impact in a sea of impacts. Yeah. So we it's it's up to us, those of us that are impacted, to reach out and let our representatives know that it matters to us because. Otherwise, it's just too easy to get passed over and, you know, suddenly it's part of a lot. I, I have, a, uh, I have a, a question here that Sam says is asking something that I'd like to ask a follow-up on. We're going to do the giveaway before you answer this, Bob, but here's the question. If or when this amendment passes, what would be the next step? Can we get it reversed or altered? And while Bob is thinking of his answer, let's do the next giveaway here. This is for another $100 gift certificate to dancefish.com where you can get the fishy of your dreams on Rock and Fish. Rock and Fish is the sponsor of this. So thanks again to Rock and Fish for uh, two $100 gift, certificate, gift certificates for tonight, um, specifically to try to make this stream uh, well attended. It's important to Rock and Fish that folks hear this. And so they put their money where their mouth was coughed up 200 bucks to try to dry you folks here. So Rock and Fish, it looks like it worked. How many folks do we have in here? We've got 329 folks here. And I know several more will watch the replay when it goes, um, when it's posted to watch later. Again, I'm not monetizing this stream. I'm not going to have any ads on it or commercials or anything. Um, so please feel free to invite, you know, all your ex-lovers or whoever you can think of to come join us because um, the more folks we get here, this is about the information tonight. It's not about me commercializing this or, or making money on ads or anything. Uh, we're really trying to do a service to drop people in to get this message out. We're trying to clear the air and get some facts out. And I don't think there's anyone better. Hang on. <laughs> I'm going to ramble for a bit. You couldn't say that with a straight face. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hang on real quick. Um, I don't think there's anyone better to talk to than Bob because he's – his job is to be integrated with the government and to keep an eye on policy and inform people that are making policy about how it will affect the aquarium and well, pet industry. Um, and he's on our side. He sees it from our viewpoint. So I don't think there's uh, anyone better than Bob to ask to get factual information from. So that's what we're trying to do here. So the reason I'm saying that is, Sometimes it can come across when I'm saying, hey, share this out. Get your ex, ex-lovers in here. It can sound like I'm trying to get more people in so I can make more money, but I'm not monetizing the stream. So I want you to know there's no like financial stake for me. This is all about getting information out. So with that being said, the next winner of the $100 give a, uh, gift certificate to Dan's Fish is there's 313 eligible users, Shane Bruta. Shane Furuta, you have won. You've got two minutes, Shane, to respond. Let us know you're here because um, you do need to be present to win. And uh, just send us a message, message, Shane, saying that you're here so you can claim your winnings and we will go for there. While we are waiting for Shane, let's get Bob's take on the question. Sam says, if, in, if, this, if and or when this amendment passes, what will be the next step? Can we get it reversed or altered? How likely is that, Bob? Uh, now is realistically now is the only chance to do that. This this is no longer amendment. This is this is part of the bill 
that the House sent over to the Senate and said, this is our complete act. So it's not an amendment anymore. It is part of the bill. The Senate right now, the leadership in the Senate has to decide, are we going to reconcile their bill with our bill? Because we passed one last year that, that doesn't have all this stuff in are we going to take up their bill and and uh, debate it and vote on it? And until they make that decision, we won't really know. But in one way or another, they're going to have to deal with this language. Now is the only chance we have to get it out. Because if it passes the next step, which would be passing in the Senate, the, the, the administration, number one, has no motivation to tell the uh, House and the Senate, no, take that language out. And number two, has all the motivation in the world to leave it in. Because if they want it taken out, then they have to send the bill back to the House and the Senate. It has to pass both of them again and go through. This is a bill the president wants. This is a bill, the day it passes the Senate, they will be scheduling the Rose Garden signing ceremony. So whatever is in this bill, when it passes the Senate, is going to be the new law, and that's the way it is. So we, I think we have to understand, folks, uh, and Bob, correct me if I'm wrong, but what Bob's trying to elucidate here, or is elucidating, you're not trying, you're doing it. <laughs> uh, what Bob's saying is we see this and we think of this page or half page of the add-on of the Lacey Act as a separate thing, but it's not. It's a tiny piece of verbiage inserted into 2,000 pages of bill, of law. And it's treated as an entirety, right? Our, when, the, when it's voted on, they're, they're voting on this big bill, not our section of it. Our section just happens to be in there. And so to get it reversed, they have to actually go in and rediscuss the bill as a whole and get it taken out. Is that correct, Bob? It's not as simple as saying, this little piece of legislation, we don't like it. You have to actually bring the whole bill back for vote. Is that correct? Um, which is not going to happen. Um, if, if it is not removed before the Senate votes on a final bill, um, and, and if, if, if the Senate takes up the House bill, they, they, can, they will debate it and they will take things out and add things and, and so forth. And yeah. then they will vote on the whole bill. Right. If it's still in there, it gets sent back to the House to concur. And and I, I know, I wish I could do this as well as Schoolhouse Rock does, but uh, sausage making isn't always pretty. Um, so they would s then send that bill back to the House. Or they could, they could just vote up or down on the House bill. In which case, this language becomes part of the law. Yeah. If that happens then the only way to reverse it is to have a member of Congress submit a new bill once again trying to change the Lacey Act. Right. As a standalone bill, that is a very difficult thing to do, yeah. which is why Marco Rubio's Senate Bill 66 hasn't gone anywhere. It is very difficult to do that as a standalone bill. You have to get it that language stashed into a big, important, in order to get. Yeah, let's be real. This is very important to us. Us as aquarium hobbyists, hobbyists this is hugely important. Um, but our representatives have big fish to fry, let's say, 
and they're looking for maybe the most bang for their time <laughs> and their effort politically, let's say. And um, this is probably not the top of their pile. So the things that are super important to us are probably not going to be brought up again and, and voted on um, as a separate thing. So I think that would be very unlikely. If, if this goes forward and becomes law, the odds that your representative would think that this little bit of it is so important that they're going to introduce a new bill specifically focusing on aquarium fish or pet keeping or whatever. I mean, they're, they're worrying about a lot of big policies and they're going to select the ones that have the most, um, most bang for their time. Let's say, is that generally something that we could expect, Bob? More or less, I, I will say, and, and, let me say up front that very seldom are pet issues left versus right issues. They tend not to be Democrat versus Republican issues. So it is not generally a, you know, a, a party line kind of thing. Um, in this case, the expansion of the powers of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that this change to the Lacey Act would give um, is something that is generally not favored by conservatives. So um, this is a case where you will see uh, maybe a natural level of support amongst Republican members um, just because it expands a federal agency, uh, not because they actually care about this particular issue. So uh, there may be some support there, but it is certainly not enough to count on uh, being able to point out that, hey, you know, page 1641 has an expansion of U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services powers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so basically what I heard you saying is this, this little bit of language that affects us as aquarium keepers, the reason it's stuck in this bill is because it had to be attached to something big and important to get through, that bringing it up on its own, is probably not something that's that's at the top of people's list to do. Is, is that right. correct? It's it's more challenging to get through on its own. Um, although I will say this is also language that is important to someone in uh, Speaker Pelosi's office. Uh, she has a staffer that is very interested in seeing this language go forward. So I would expect, even if we beat this, that we will see it again in future bills because she has an interest in having, having this language. And I, I want to iterate, folks, that as you know, I have a rule on, on my channel, my stream, my business in general, no politics, no religion, right? Um, but I'm making an exception in this case just because it directly affects our hobby. But please understand that when if, if we talk about any specific political party or anything, uh, we're not doing it be, to be pejorative. We're not doing it to... Um, getting this political debate about left versus right or anything like that at all. Um, Bob's just trying to say, here's, here's the actual facts of how the voting's happening. So it, it's, oh, for, it's for um, information. So don't, my audience don't think about this as, uh, as something where now there's free reign to get political or, or any of that. That's, that's, that's no. not the case. <laughs> no, nope, I am. Uh, I, if I'm doing my job, well, I am apolitical and nonpartisan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am just a speaker of the truth as we see it. And 
Um, you know, uh, this is the perfect example. There, there is someone that is interested in this that is a very powerful Democrat, and there is someone that is interested in this as a very powerful Republican. This is not a left versus right issue. This is a different lawmakers have different ideas about what would make us a better country. And, you know, it's a matter of communicating to your lawmakers because they're there to represent your interests. That's yeah. that's why they've been elected. And they yep. take, and most of them take that very seriously. And, and I thought your comments were totally appropriate, Bob. I just don't want my audience to think now now the reins are off and they're free to <laughs> start bashing each other politically. Um, Shane Furuta is here. You're here, Shane. Hey, welcome. Glad you could make it. Thanks for participating. Thanks for being here. You've won a $100 gift certificate to Dance Fish provided by Rock and Fish. Thanks again, Dave, for doing that. We really appreciate it. All right. We've only got one more giveaway. We'll do that in a bit. And that is for an L46 Zebra Pleco, the real deal. Um, we'll get to that a little later. Okay, lots more questions for you, Bob. All right, I just want to read this comment. I don't know if it's a uh, question, but it's telling. Samuel Joseph Fernald says, I live in Maine. Funny Bob brought our state up. Here, almost every retailer, consumer, and enforcer ignore the whitelist when it comes to fish. Maine's policy is don't ask, don't tell. Yep, well... We could hope that happens, but someone like me, whose entire business is shipping fish across state lines, that would be a big risk. I would be one of those examples. They would come down hard on me, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, my whole job is to make sure that a responsible trade can operate in a way that they don't have to be. I will never encourage or support the idea of skirting along. Right. Um, I am... I, I am a big believer that if I do my job right, you guys should be able to do business responsibly, uh, and the laws shouldn't harm. So um, I, I I can't get there, but uh, I I certainly acknowledge the reality of the situation. All right. Excuse me one sec. For those that watch regularly, you know, for the past several weeks, I've had like a horrendous cold. That's the only cough of the night, though. We've made great progress. It's almost gone. Um, so this is a very practical question from Dave Farrell. If we fill out Bob's form, should we also write a letter? I'm going to say yes. What do you think, Bob? Absolutely. More communication is always better. Um, use my form as a way to get your foot in the door and, and, have, and get action started so something's been done. Uh, so... You know, God forbid they decide to take this to the floor day after tomorrow. You've already contacted them. Right. Because that's the thing. We don't know what the Senate's timeline is going to be. But uh, the, the, the handwritten personalized letter is better. But do something. And, and you know, uh, what was the old saying uh, when Kennedy was running, vote early, vote often? All um, right. <laughs> so, yes, there is, there is no problem with sending multiple letters. And you can even, if you like, be perfectly frank in your in your follow-up letter and say, this is a follow-up. I, I reached out immediately, but I wanted to express my opinion more fully. Sure. And, you know, you, you don't, we don't have to seem like we're trying to bump the numbers up. You want to make the communication as heartfelt and impactful as possible. And so this is, this is, this was my strategy. Um, I found out about this, um, 
first thing I did once I'd wrapped my head around it a little bit and had time to read the bill, because to me, that's always important. Not the whole bill, but this language. I wanted to know what it actually said because I was hearing all kinds of things. Um, hopefully, talking with Bob tonight has helped people know what is real and get past that all kinds of stuff. But first thing I did was fill out that form on PJAC's website. A um, little later, um, I found some time. I called my representative. We, we had a talk, me and a staffer. Um, and now I plan when I find a little more time on, on writing that follow-up letter. So that's kind of exactly the, the course that worked for me just because I'm, I'm super busy, as you guys know. And But I could take, really, it was a minute, maybe two, to fill out that form um, until I could find time to call. Peak Aquatics, do you know feeder insects and other feeder animals will be affected? Uh, you know, the way this describes it is, you know... It, potentially yes, and that's that is the concern. Is you, you don't now most feeder animals would certainly be traded in large enough volumes that it wouldn't be a problem. Um, you know, worst case, suddenly you're having to have every state set up its own. You know, have have some business start in every state breeding crickets and you know mice and things like that and mealworms. But um, I I don't think those would ever be a problem but by the letter of the law could they be absolutely okay all right let's scroll up chat jumped a bit so sorry for folks that we uh we skipped swamp thing asks and thanks for the super chat swamp thing please clarify do we need to contact our senators or our congressmen oh yeah i keep using them interchangeably bob would you let us know um right now the people to contact are your senators with a big but. But I think what's most likely to happen is that the Senate decides to reconcile their bill and the House's bill. And that means both the House and the Senate designate conferees, uh, X number of members, to sit down in conference across the table and work out the differences in the two bills to come to one bill that they think will pass both the House and the Senate. If they declare that they're going to do that, then we will start reaching out again to both the House and the Senate, and particularly those members of both that are on the conference committee. Uh, so we, if you take action now, you're going to contact your senator because the next place of action is in the Senate, and reaching out to your senator can influence your senator to talk to Senate leadership and say, hey, take this route. But the bottom line is, until the Senate decides whether it's going to reconcile or take up the House bill, or, which isn't going to happen, they could say, we're not doing either. Uh, the House can reconsider the bill recently. Uh, the, until the Senate decides that, we won't know for sure when to reach back to House members. So that was a long-winded way of saying your senator right now, but it may change back to your house uh, representative and your senator again soon. Okay. Mike G has a, a comment question. Within the aquarium fish industry or hobby, big box tropical saltwater fish dealers, so big box dealers, have the most to gain monetarily from this bill. Is that correct? I'm just going to say probably because if what Bob says is that is true, that we'll have limited species available and they'll be done in high volume, 
that naturally lends itself to the big box and the larger dealers. Bob, what do you think? Uh, it's it's kind of a complicated answer um, because comparatively within the trade that continues to exist, nobody nobody will do better because of this, but they will do less badly. And comparatively, compared to the small players, they will do well because a big player is always better positioned to deal with changes in in laws and and regulations. That being said, as a trade and as a whole, the the trade and the hobby and the industry will shrink. And so it is not in their best interest. And I will say that, uh, you know, a lot of the dues that I receive, the membership dues that I receive, which are what I use to fight this, come from those people. So they are they are doing their part to stick up for the trade as a whole, um, sometimes contrary to their own short-term interests. So I, uh, I, I am not a, a big box basher. Yep. Well, and when I think about it, I still think of volume wins. It, it, it you know, I don't think it's bashing to say if volume wins in a, a game where you have a few species, who's set up to do highest volume. But when we think about the big box stores, like how much of their floor space is actually dedicated to our hobby, to aquariums? Like it's very little. It's not, it's, it's and not generally a big speaking, part of what they do. And generally speaking, it's a progression. Most of those stores are really primarily set up to get people into the hobby. Oh, yeah. As people evolve in the hobby, they evolve to the smaller stores, the specialty stores, the specialty equipment providers. You know, they uh, the, the big box stores didn't carry the kind of protein skimmers and and um, things like that that I was using on my marine tanks. Uh, so the the one hand really does wash the other. Yeah, and, I, and it's a cooperative or a symbiotic relationship largely with these with a lot of the smaller stores. I always say that I should pay Petco and PetSmart a percentage of my income because literally that's what happens. Folks get into the hobby. Uh, Petco and PetSmart are often where they go <laughs> to get started. And if, sorry, <clears throat> and if they stick with the hobby in short order, they start wanting these other fish they're reading about and seeing, and that's when they come to me. So I totally agree with that. I actually like the big box stores because they've, they feed the hobby, they feed interest, and then those hobbyists eventually end up purchasing for me when they're ready to graduate to the other stuff. So I, I've seen that a lot. Alexander Englehart, awesome. This is wonderful. Alexander says, this is a good cause. The L46s, the Zebra Plecos, are $226.50 on the, on the website. I'll sponsor a fourth giveaway for a gift card of that amount to everyone who stays through the stream. He's fine and might be losing his network before then, but so we're going to do an additional giveaway tonight, a surprise giveaway for the dollar amount of a zebra pleco. So a gift card, gift certificate for $226 and 50 cents provided by Alexander Engelhart. Thank you, Alexander, for jumping on and making tonight's stream even more exciting. We appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to give away the Zebra Pleco. Um, and 
shortly thereafter Alexander's uh, gift certificate for the value of Zebra Pleco. But before we do, Bob, there are a ton of questions we did not get to. This has been very active. I think people are um, are interested by the activity I'm seeing. And um, we 334 people here, so they're sticking with us. But we're going to run out of time. Um, we're not going to be able to answer all these questions. So for people to get their questions answered, and not just, you know, on a Facebook forum or something, but by folks who can really give them actual information instead of the misinformation we're so often um, dealing with, who can they contact? Because we're going to run out of time. How do they get that information? Uh, the, the best way is to be a member of an organization that tracks it. Um, you know, this, my phone has been ringing off the hook on this. Um, I, I, stay, I personally staff our aquatics. Uh, my, uh, the member of my staff who staffs our HERP committee has had the same issue, and to a lesser degree, the folks, uh, the person that staffs my small animals. Um, because of that, we are doing all of our communications, and, and particularly in this case, because it is it may be so time sensitive to get out the boat, uh, so to speak, to get the letters in. Um, we are doing all of our communications now to our full membership every time we send it out. So my easiest answer would be, if you are a business out there, particularly a retail store talking to customers, you need to be a member of us or one of the other organizations that signed on to that letter uh, I mentioned earlier, because we are communicating out to our membership constantly about this. Um, if you are just a hobbyist, if you are a casual fish person that likes to go into a fish store, when you go into that fish store, encourage them to become members because then they become the hub you can get information. Um, you know, I will continue to uh, pass information to Dan. Dan is more than welcome to continue to beat me up for information. But um, we really expect that when the time comes to act on this for the final votes, there's going to be a very small window to do it in. And all of all the organizations trying to communicate on this are, are essentially just committing to getting out to our membership as quickly as we can. Because it's just not possible to build an email list of all the people that have contacted us with questions about this. Yeah. Yeah, correct. And I mean, you're one person, you can't answer all those calls all the time, right? That would... <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and I'm, you know, one of the states I'm responsible for is Hawaii, which sounds really cool until you realize the time zone difference. Oh, and, right. And, you know, the, the Hawaii uh, aquarium fishers like to call me when they get off the water at five or six. You know, I love getting those calls at midnight on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's do the final giveaway here. Well, not the final, the pan ultimate. Now that Alexander <laughs> is uh, joined the giveaway effort, the pan ultimate. So the winner, oh, I got to share this. We try to make sure folks know it's legit and I'm not just giving them to my friends. All right, there we go. Everyone can see that now. All right. So the winner of an L46 Zebra Pleco, the real deal, is George S. George S., thanks for joining us. Welcome. You have won a Zebra Pleco. Not too bad, not too shabby, right? Very cool. <laughs> um, you've got two minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here because um, you do have to be present to win. And then 
We'll tell you how to secure your winnings after we have um, Bob answer another question while we're waiting on George here. So let's see here. So another question for you, Bob, while we're waiting. Well, you're digging through questions. Let me just say, hey, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, you know, I, I I was asking you before we did this how we're going to fill an hour and a half with half a page of legislative text. But, uh, <laughs> I told you it wouldn't be a problem with my crowd. <laughs> and you've got an awesome audience. I mean, the, the questions are, are absolutely on point and exactly what the hobby ought to be concerned about. Yeah. No, we're... I. I've been a member of a lot of communities and I have to say we call ourselves the fish fam and I'm just one channel in the fish fam. There's, there's a whole bunch of people and I don't know how it happened, but we got to be a good group. That's non-toxic. We usually help each other. <laughs> Occasionally we squabble, but hey, yeah. I, I, I've been a, I've been a hobbyist for decades. I, I, I was in fourth grade when I got my first tank. I'm sure Pier 1 Imports doesn't sell fish anymore, but that's where I got my Oh, yeah. Fish. And, you know, I, I, my saltwater tanks, I literally packed them up when I lived in California, put everything in Tupperware, and drove it across the country when I got uh, relocated to Georgia. And, uh, you know, this job has been great for me because now I have instant access to folks like Julian Sprung and, and folks like that on the saltwater side. And it's, it's been a blast. But uh, I, I definitely know it's a great community. Well, and right back at you. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, just thanks for setting us straight on some things um, that everyone's had questions about. Okay, while we're waiting on George, George, oh, George, time is up. George, yes, if you're oh. listening, my friend, I am sorry, but let me scroll to the bottom here and make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, yeah, where is George? George, yes. Nope, time's up. Them's the breaks. George, when you hear about this, I'm sure it's going to be a, oh, that's a these moments. Yeah. But the new winner is, oh, hang on. I got to share this. I just rolled it, guys. Sorry. The new winner is Richard Eddy. Richard Eddy, you now have two minutes to claim your winnings or you'll go the way of George. All right. Um, while we're waiting on that, I'm going to scroll up because there is a question here. <clears throat> Goose Not Maverick asks, how would this affect private transportation of collections? So you're not selling, you're just moving. A person is moving across states. How does that work? Is there anything in there regarding that? Uh, Lacey doesn't care. It's it, it, and, and transport laws don't care. It is it would be illegal to transport a non-whitelisted species across a state. Uh, Period. So, Whether you're moving or selling or whatever. Correct. That yes, that that is how I understand. All right. Seems pretty straightforward. Okay, Richard, <laughs> you've got one more minute, buddy. <laughs> um, while we're waiting on Richard, let's see. We have here. another miss on this. I'm signing off. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we let you go now? No, 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 no. I'll just oh, jump okay. on to uh, to try and win a zebra play. Oh, I see. I thought you said signing off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're one minute over time, Bob. Jeez, you you did serve in the armed forces, so I guess <laughs> on yeah, time. No, is I'm. Uh, no, I'm. 
I unfortunately, because of uh, because of COVID, had to take down the two fish tanks I had in our office. But I've still got one at home, so and it is a fresh water now. I, I had to take down both of my saltwater tanks. There were people in the office so seldom that my landlord liked to turn off the heat and air over the weekend. So hard on He's got two seconds. Richard, Richard went the way of George. So this usually doesn't happen, especially with a cool giveaway like a zebra pleco. All right, folks, we've got, could be you, like George and Richard missed the boat. All right. If we don't get a hit on this time, I'm going to close it and reopen it so only people that are here can enter. So we don't end up in this thing where it's so disappointing. It's like when you go to your local pick your nonprofit and they do a raffle to raise funds and someone wins and they're like, so-and-so you won. And everyone looks around and they're not even there. Oh, that's always a bad moment. We are having that moment. All right. Let's see here. Kind all night, kind all night. Congratulations. And uh, thanks for being a subscriber. That's awesome. For about a year now, um, you have won. You won a zebra pleco. Please claim it. <laughs> I actually want to give you a zebra pleco. Believe it or not. All right. <laughs> All right. And the winners, um, actually, if if you want a gift card, just email me info or sorry, we, we didn't want info. We wanted something better. Hello at dancefish.com. Um, and I will get you your gift card here. Kind all night is one. Oh, shoot. I didn't share that. Did I? Sorry, guys. I swear that was all on the up and up. Um, kind All Night has won and responded. Kind All Night, congratulations. You just won a zebra pleco. Please send me an email to hello at dancefish.com with your first name, last name, and mailing address. Now, I know I already have your address somewhere, but please don't make me dig for it. Just in the email, first name, last name, and mailing address, and I'll get that sent off to you next week. One more. This is for a gift certificate in the amount of a zebra pleco. So if I happen to find another one in the tank while I'm digging out kind all night zebra pleco, I'll let you know. Maybe you could buy it. Um, so this is for the add-on giveaway from Alexander Engelhart. Thank you, Alexander, just because he wants to support the cause. See, Bob, you got money rolling out. Good job. <laughs> the that winner is... Very is cool. The winner is Connie W. I I agree. Connie W, you have won. You have two minutes to chime in. While we're waiting for that, let's see if we have another question. Uh, Chris, George, this isn't a question, but it says, I'm so glad you provided the opportunity for everyone to learn how to voice their opinion in a responsible way. Yes, thanks, Bob, for being here and, uh, and giving us the guidance. We really do appreciate it. So no more questions. These are just... You know, oh, one thing I would say crap. to build on that, um, yeah. and, and this is something, uh, anyone out there, any associations you belong to that do government affairs work, every year we host the Capitol Hill Day. We contact our members and we say, hey, we are going to take you up to Capitol Hill, introduce you to your lawmakers, and let you talk to them or their staff about the issues that are that are important to you. We uh, We identify some bills that have an impact on the trade and we take them up obviously the last two years we've had to do this virtually but it's still actually been really effective and it really has an impact and it really helps people feel like 
they their lawmakers, their representatives understand them. Can and, you give some examples of some of those organizations that you're referring to? Uh, sure. We do it every year. Um, uh, AKC does this. Um, uh, the, essentially, you know, I'm in the same building with uh, with the um, school administrators, you know, high school, grade school administrators and grade school principals association, things like that. And they do this every year. So if you belong to associations, find out if they do a hill day kind of operation. Because it really develops a comfort level with talking to lawmakers oh. that's really beneficial to have when something like this comes up. Because it can be it can really be a challenge if you've never done something like this before to say, hey, go go visit your lawmaker's office and tell them how you feel about a bill. That that's a lot to ask a normal person. And it yeah. really isn't a big deal once you've done it a time or two. So uh, find out if the uh, the organizations you belong to do it, and take part in it, and absolutely join us because we do it as well. And, you know what? That uh, brings up a good point. I I supply fish and support for the local high school biology department. They buy all their fish for me, and if they have a sick fish ever, I go up there with the medicines and help them out and all that stuff. So I'm gonna um, make get them to uh, write some letters and stuff because if educators are saying, this is how I get my students engaged, that could be really powerful, I would say. Um, Absolutely. You'll find an awful lot of people that are biologists will tell you that they got their interest from the fishing. Yeah. All right. So back to the giveaway. Connie has not chimed in. So here's what we're going to do, guys, so that we don't end up with pulling people over and over and over that, um, that are not here. We're going to have a new hashtag for the final giveaway provided by Alexander, which is I am, hang on, I, I'm on caps lock apparently, I am here. The new hashtag is I am here, no spaces, hashtag I-A-M-H-E-R-E. All right, so enter I am here if you're still here and would like to win a gift certificate in the amount of a zebra pleco, so two hundred dollars, two hundred dollars in change. What is it? Two thirty, two two thirty, roughly. Yeah, two twenty six fifty. Um, and we will do it that way. I see him coming in. That way, we don't end up just drawn <laughs> again and again and having that bad experience. <laughs> I I know people are busy and all that. I I get it. I forgive you. But when you draw that raffle ticket and hey, you won, Mike. Oh, Mike didn't care enough to stick around. It really is kind of a downer for the experience. Um, there was a question. Someone wanted clarification saying, so the whitelist would be a federal white whitelist and not state by state. The answer is a definite yes, and that's one of the biggest problems. Um, yes, it, this would be federally controlled. So the whitelist would be a federal whitelist, um, which for me is a thing because – I'm in Wyoming. It gets negative 35 every winter here. Um, a lot of the stuff that we keep in aquariums simply is not going to be invasive in Wyoming, whereas Hawaii, where it's tropical, more or less, could have a different set of fish that could be invasive. So, yes, that it is a federal whitelist, um, something that is invasive in Hawaii, I could not sell. I could not transport across state lines or sell to someone in Wisconsin which also experiences weather like I have. And that's one of the 
main concerns I have with it. Okay, we have a bunch, 286 people who entered the new hashtag. We'll get you out of here soon, Bob. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, I'm, I'm, my time's your time. I appreciate you giving it to me. All right. So the winner of Alexander Engelhart's add-on for a gift certificate in the value of an L46 Zebra Pleco is Frank, uh, Vera Frank. Vera Frank, you have won. Please be here and please let us know you're here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob, we'll have the exciting conclusion here momentarily. Um, anything else that while we're waiting for Vera Frank, anything else that you would like to add on or we kind of hit all the points, anything else that occurred to you while we were talking that I didn't give you time to share? No, I think we've, uh, I think we've done a good job of, uh, of discussing it. It's just my, my final reminder would be that even if we take all the action necessary to get this language taken out and make this go away, it's going to come up. It'll again. be back. And I, and I would bet it will be up again before this year is up. Mm -hmm. So this is, uh, this is a watch this space thing, not a we won thing. I, yeah. I, I like to say with, with this work, I never have victories. I have reprieves. And and that's just the way it is. Yeah, in in people that don't want us to keep fish, think that we should never do it, they're ahead of us. They've been lobbying hard for a long time. They they've been very active. We kind of haven't been. We've kind of been they've like got very deep pockets. They, yes. uh, they have a lot of money. Um, one of the organizations I end up working against pretty regularly, um, we had a um, uh, strategic planning uh, person come in and help us work on, on developing our strategic plan. She did some looking, and the organization I routinely go up against, my budget is smaller than their toilet paper budget. Oh, yeah, of course. They spend more on staples than you have. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yep. Um, so, folks, Vera Frank is here and has won. Thank you, Vera, for being here and for actually claiming your winnings. We appreciate that because now we can all shut this down and go home. <laughs> um, but before we sign off, I want to give Bob um, a heartfelt thank you for being here and going through everything it took to get here, all the technical testing and everything. There was a lot behind the scenes that you guys missed, and Bob was here for a lot of it. Good times. I also just want to say, I want to reiterate, I know there's folks that say the sky is falling. I know there's folks that say this is no big deal. Don't do anything. I would say do something because all it costs you is a letter or a phone call or at the very least a visit to PJAC's website to fill out a form that I'm now not going to be able to find again. Just a second. Here it is that I'm going to post right now. If you can't be bothered to write a letter or make a phone call, that's fine. I get it. Go here, fill out a form to that link I just posted. It'll take you two minutes or less. You can at least do that. So my thought is even, <clears throat> pardon me, even if the folks that say there's, it's no big deal, you don't have to do anything, it's all sensationalism, are right, so be it. What's it hurt to write a little letter, fill out a form, or call someone? It doesn't take you know, that much time or effort. We can do at least that to ensure that it isn't a big deal and to be ready and let our representatives know that we're out here and that we care for the next time it comes up again. Um, as you know, I've sunk a lot of time and a lot of resources into a new fish warehouse, a new store. Um, and I don't have a plan B, folks. This is 
this is my heart and soul is into this. You've got most of you has followed me and followed this process and know what we're doing. Um, and it scares the bejesus out of me to know that someone, the secretary of the interior, or is it called head of interior, whoever that person is, um, is going to be giving basically dictatorial power to shut me down more or less at will um, via a whitelist. That, that's just after all the work and blood, sweat and tears to get here, um, I can't sit by and let that happen. So I would ask for your help for me and all the other small owners that of stores that supply fish, that make a living selling fish <laughs> across state lines, or even don't the, you know, that need to get fish from across state lines to supply their stores. Um, on my side is an industry fella. This is, is very worrisome. And, uh, I feel a deep responsibility to my employees. I feel a deep responsibility to my investors, um, to do everything I can to make sure that we can keep doing what we're trying to do. So that's my plea and my thought. Maybe it is nothing, but really, what's the harm in writing a letter? So you wrote a letter and, and you didn't need to. Big deal, right? That's the worst case scenario there. Whereas the flip side is the worst case scenario is we do nothing and it really impacts our hobby and we really can't continue to do business if you're someone like me. Or you can't get the fish you want to keep if you're someone that just likes to keep fish. So I would say that the differential there, the arbitrage between doing nothing and doing something is worth that little effort. That's my thought. I appreciate you all being here. Bob, I really appreciate you. Everyone that left a super chat or provided um, giveaways for tonight to help make this exciting and draw people in. Thank you so much. Everyone that had a question or comment, thanks for participating actively. To my moderators who make this possible and manage the stream and keep everything kosher, let's say, in chat, thank you for your work. Everyone lurking, hail the Lurker Nation. If you're listening on the replay, thanks for being here. Hello. And if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for doing that. And thanks to Michael Mellier for making the podcast possible. With that, we're going to sign off. Thanks again, Bob. We'll be hey, back. My pleasure. Bye-bye.